0: Welcome to A Wild New Work Ecological Guidance for Your Career. This podcast is about how to take wise, soul centered action in your work life, and it's all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm your host, Megan Leatherman. Hi, everyone. Um, Here we are. We're in mid June by the time this podcast episode will be released. And we are approaching the threshold of summer. We're here in the final, final stages of spring. If you don't know already, summer officially starts on June 21st with the summer solstice, which is the point in the year when there is, uh, or one of two points in the year rather, where there's equal daylight and uh, darkness. And after the 21st, the days will be getting shorter and shorter until we go to the peak of darkness in December on the 21st with the winter solstice. So there is, um, it's an important threshold that we cross that I think deserves to be marked and honored in some way. Um, and I'll be putting out an episode as that gets closer with some ideas for what you can do with that special day, with that crossing. Um, but just know that it's coming and you might already be feeling that, um, that sort of bubbling up and that shifting into the season of summer. Um, and I wonder as we approach that, if you might look back to what this season of spring has held for you, you know, it started officially again with the spring equinox in late March. Um, and I wonder what has happened in your life since then? What, what came up in your life and in your work through April and May and now into June, what lessons have been coming up? What are some recurring themes that you've seen? How have you grown? What have you planted this season that might, you know, bloom or prosper in the summer or fall? Um, So just giving you a chance to be a little bit reflective of what this season has held for you. Um, It may have been, Tough, it may not have always been enjoyable, it may not feel like you learned a lot or grew at all, but um, I guarantee that you have grown in some way because that's your nature. You can't do anything but grow until you take your last breath on this earth. So um, it's happening. I think for me, I'll just share that it's been a season of a lot of inner growth, really um, looking at how I want to be of service through you know, this podcast, my business, the work that I do in the world, and also how I get in my own way. This topic of attractiveness or, you know, being appealing, really being attuned to what makes you and me attractive in our own ways. Um, it's really near and dear to my heart because it's a lesson that I've learned in many cycles throughout my career, especially in the last, you know, four and a half years that I've been self-employed. Um, You know, we had a new moon earlier this week, or rather uh, on June 3rd, we had a new moon. And my keyword for this cycle until the next new moon is flow. You know, how can I enjoy myself more and let the joy, the accomplishments, the money, the opportunities, the growth, how can I let those things just flow rather than, you know, pushing or forcing or kind of desperately trying to get out there and receive them? And I'm really excited to share this episode with you and talk about what I've learned with that question. um, And I think the flowers are such incredible teachers in that regard. So um, they will be our guides for this episode. Um, Yeah, that's all I'll say to open. I want to share just two quick things at the front. Um, You know, if you've listened to the last couple of episodes of this podcast, that A Wild New School we have our summer session coming up and the word for the session is expand. So this is a 10 week coaching program to help you grow in the ways that you want to in the summer. You can, you know, it's talking about themes like growing financially. How can you let more financial stability or abundance flow into your career? How can you, you know, amplify your self-care and feel better at work? How can you take on more responsibility or challenges at work? How can you grow into a new career path or a new job altogether? Um, So we'll be talking and working with you to discern what kind of growth you're most hungry for in this upcoming season, and then supporting you along with others in the program um, to realize that growth and not from a place, again, not from desperation or scarcity, but really from peace and allowance and really letting those things flow into your life Um, so it's I think especially going to be supportive for those who are in human resources or in management roles where you are supporting others and where you really need to fill your own cup first both in every area of your life, but especially at work. If you're if you're providing, you know, emotional support to others in your career, I encourage you to get really serious about finding some sort of support for yourself um, in terms of your work outside of work. And this class, this 10-week experience could be that for you. So we start June 20th and you can learn more at WildNewwork.com slash summer session. I'll also put the link in the show notes um, and we'd love to have you. I also just want to say thank you to those of you who have left five-star reviews for this podcast, which is everyone so far, I'm happy to say. Um, I just really appreciate that, and it helps the podcast gain some visibility. So thank you to those of you who have taken the time to do that. I know it's often an afterthought and um, something I forget to do a lot after I've listened to an episode that I like. So thank you, thank you why don't we transition into our opening invocation now? And um, as you know, if you're a regular listener, I I, uh, record these episodes in Portland, Oregon, where I'm from, which is traditionally Tillamook land, um, and or I'm sorry, Chinook land, but I'm actually in Newport, Oregon today on the coast. Um, I'm on a mini solo retreat, which um, I haven't done in over a year, and it's a huge luxury. I'm so... um, grateful for this experience, and uh, I wish I could bottle up my view and um, the mist coming up off the ocean and share it with each of you, but um, I'm here, and that means that I'm on traditionally Tillamook and Siletz land, which I was able to look up with this app called Native Land, which I encourage you to download and see, you know, where, where you live and you know, whose land that was originally um, or still is, depending on your belief system. So um, I do that with each invocation because even though it doesn't fix anything um, or really it doesn't solve any problem. I still think it's important to honor the fact that this land was so beautifully tended to for millennia by indigenous peoples here. And it was only recently taken and frankly pillaged by white settlers. So for me to be in integrity, and I encourage other white people or people of European descent to consider how they can be in in integrity with regard to this if you live on Um, stolen land in the United States, we have to name that and acknowledge that with respect. Um, And so that's just a little bit about why I do that with each opening invocation. So with that, why don't we each take a deep breath together? See if you can get a little heavier in your body wherever you are. Just a little more grounded, a little more spacious in this moment. May this episode and each of us that are listening to it be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors, known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures that we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Tillamook and Siletz people who are the original stewards of the land that I'm on. So like I said above, or earlier, our teachers for this episode are the flowers. Um, if you just look around you, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, you will probably see a ton of flowers in bloom right now. Just from where I sit, I see rhododendron. Um, <laughs> I guess that's kind of all I see. I see the Oregon grape and the salal doing some stuff. Um, but my view is currently a lot of evergreens but wherever you are, take a look around and you'll see that there's a lot in bloom right now. And flowers are unique in that they are reliant upon pollinators like bees, butterflies, other insects, birds. Sometimes they are reliant on those creatures to have their seeds fertilized so that they can reproduce. They are you know, rooted into the ground so they can't go out to get what they need. They can't go out and find a mate and, you know, be fertilized and And propagate themselves. So they have to attract pollinators to them to help them. And they do that. And then once they attract the pollinator, that pollinator gets a reward in the form of pollen, which helps the flower, but is also used by the insect or nectar, which is like a sweet um, substance that honeybees love that they then turn into honey. So there's a win-win kind of relationship here. Um, you know, the pollen helps the pollinator and the flower gets to reproduce and grow. And the ways that flowers attract pollinators can be really simple or complex. There's, you know, probably millions of different ways that these flowers, depending on the species and where they are and the pollinators that they're attracting, do so. But they use a couple of different things. One is, of course, scent. So you'll notice that, flowers smell differently. Some have a strong scent, some have no scent. Um, The color, the patterns, so a lot of flowers will have um, interesting patterns that attract pollinators and play with colors and different um, arrangements of color. Some flowers will have really unique shapes um, and depending on the pollinator that they're attracting, their shape can be, you know, easily accessed by you know just one pollinator if they're really niche or it can be very open and accessible to lots of pollinators if they're more kind of a generalist flower um, but essentially all of the flowers use aesthetic appeal or beauty to attract what they need to them and every flower has evolved to be appealing to specific pollinators based on where they are and what they need And what's beautiful to one pollinator, like a bumblebee, might not be appealing to another pollinator, like uh, a butterfly. So we have to remember that um, aesthetic appeal is so subjective, and and even among our plant friends, um, they're really evolved to attract you know a specific kind of pollinator based on their environment, what they need, the kind of pollen or nectar that they have. So what's beautiful to one pollinator, what's attractive to one pollinator, may not be attractive to others. Um, as I was researching for this episode, I came across this little fact that there's a flower called the titan arum, and it actually gives off a smell of rotting meat to attract flies to the flower. So um, again we're not talking about one objective way of being appealing or attractive to pollinators. It really varies depending on the flower and the environment and the pollinator that they're trying to attract. So the flowers are going to be our teachers for this episode and, and help us learn more about how to be even more attractive professionally. And I mean, there's plenty to say about how this applies to romantic relationships and, you know, physical attraction or romantic appeal, but I'm going to keep this focused on career, you know, for our purposes, but by all means, use these principles in your love life too. Um, but what I mean by pro- professionally attractive is that you're attracting the kinds of opportunities, collaborations, experiences, etc., that you want to attract, you know, the right, Quote unquote pollinators, the right pollinators for you are coming into your life with ease simply because they're attracted to what it is that you are showcasing your unique set of strengths, your personality, your sort of essence. Um, And I, you know, I want to say a quick word to your inner critic, which might be flaring up right now. I'm not talking about your skill set. Or your educational background, or how physically attractive you are, I'm talking about something much deeper than that, and we all have it. So if there are little red flags going up in your brain that are saying that you know you're not professionally attractive, or you never will be, or you're not attractive enough, um, I encourage you to just you know maybe pause this episode, take a deep breath, um, name it, and you know thank your inner critic for being there and trying to protect you, but you can ask them to sort of sit down for this episode that you, so that you can really focus on what it is that already makes you attractive and how you can amplify that in this season. Um, so the the criticism and the judgment really aren't welcome for this episode because they don't help you. Um, so that said, I want to share some thoughts about how you can be even more attractive than you already are. Um, I'm not a biologist, but I've, uh, studied this, you know, sort of casually for many, many years. And the way that plants evolved, as far as I understand, are that they start with some sort of um, essence, like a columbine flower probably started with, you know, the the basic like root system and leaves, but then it produced, and I don't know how exactly this happened, but it produces this really delicate, beautiful, you know, singular flower on top with a, a shape um, that's really interesting and I'll put a link in the show notes to a picture if you're <laughs> noodling on that if you can't visualize it um, and then that columbine plant just noticed what worked in that environment what kinds of pollinators did it attract was it enough did it get to reproduce and the ones the plants that did get to reproduce then noticed you know the What they had tried that round worked, so they did more of that. Um, And so there's this sort of interconnectedness and symbiotic relationship between the plant and the pollinator. It's not about the plant doing a survey of local bumblebees and seeing what is most appealing and then trying to fit into that box, but it's about really appreciating the flower's own state of being, its own... um, color, scent, shape, and finding out, you know, how to share that with pollinators so that everyone wins. You know, one pollinator might be attracted to a certain kind of plant, but they often pollinate multiple plants, multiple kinds of flowers. So the question isn't, how can I be appealing to everyone else? But true attraction starts with our own kind of inner essence and getting really clear about that and being appealing first and foremost to ourselves. Um, One of the exercises that I use when I'm not feeling very professionally attractive or like I'm not really aligned with myself in a way that's attracting the right kinds of opportunities or experiences to me, one of the things I'll ask myself is, you know, would I hire myself right now? Meaning, am I the most grounded, spacious attractive version of myself today? Do I want to work with me? You know, is this career path, is this business, is this project, is this um, experience I'm working on, is it attractive to me first and foremost? Um, And if not, how can I get re-centered, take care of myself, so that I am the most kind of grounded, spacious, attractive version of myself and that doesn't mean that I always feel good. I certainly don't feel great you know, in my work life 100% of the time, but that's okay. Sometimes the most grounded and healthy version of myself is someone that is angry or processing disappointment or taking a minute to just do nothing. The point is to check in and ensure that I'm attractive to myself first, that I'm appreciating what I'm doing, that I'm ecstatic to hire myself or to work on a workshop or a project and I know that seems cliche but if you don't like what you're doing if you don't appreciate it if you don't believe in it it's going to be hard to convince others to appreciate it or believe in it it would be like if a flower you know just refused to open up because it didn't believe in its nectar or the strength of its pollen, you know, so it's closed up and it's keeping its bud tight, but then it's upset that none of the pollinators are coming by, you know, no one's trying to crack its bud open, right? (laughs) This work starts internally. So once you have become aware of that, and I encourage you to really ask yourself, you know, if you are in a job search, you can ask yourself, would my ideal employer hire me today? And again, this isn't about criticism or, you know, saying no, because I'm, you know, I don't have all of these skills or I don't have the experience or whatever. It's really a question to help you recenter and get back into alignment with your, the best version of yourself. Um, and you can, it will help you understand where you might need to fill your cup up a little more, where you need to, um, embolden yourself to really believe in what you do, to appreciate the work that you're doing, um, to really, um, give yourself the space and the luxury of saying, I'm, I would hire myself. Like, I'm so proud of what I'm doing. I appreciate the effort that I'm putting into this, um, that I would gladly hire myself for this job or role or project. And then once you've become aware of that and done that sort of check-in, and I encourage you to do that regularly, um, then you can move on to the next things that I want to share with you. Um, And the first of which is making more space for your soul to lead you in your career. So we are still in Gemini season, and one of the, I think, most beautiful and deepest lessons of Gemini is about how to live our lives kind of soul first, um, how the ego can serve the soul, but how to you know, live in a way that's led from our deep sort of inner wisdom and not from our you know, fear-based kind of thinking mind. Your soul is not worried about your career Your soul is ready to have more fun, probably. It's ready to grow. It's ready to share your unique set of perspectives and strengths with the world so that you can evolve and help the rest of us evolve. Your soul is completely at peace with your work life as it is. If anything, it just wants more of the good stuff so that it can um, grow and get your unique message out into the world. That's what Gemini teaches us about. How can we get our unique question, our unique perspective, our unique message out into the world, into the ether to help ourselves and to help the world that we're on. Your ego or your thinking mind is probably really worried about your career if you let it just really go. And that's that doesn't mean that it needs to be worried about your career. that just means that you were probably raised, like most of us, to feel afraid to protect yourself against things not working out, especially in the realm of work and getting paid and supporting yourself financially with your efforts in the world. Some of us were raised in poverty or you know maybe raised in cycles of abuse. Um, And that can be minor or major, but we all had some sort of um, challenge as young people. And, you know, those challenges can still come up in our lives today. And that trauma, those experiences shape our brains. And the beauty in that is that we can change our brains. We can change our perspective in the way that our thinking mind looks at our career and our opportunities in our work lives. And we do that in part by offering ourselves experiences that make more room for our soul or our higher consciousness to guide us. So we want to kind of amplify the... Um, Signal that we're getting from our soul, what some people call our intuition, and we want to kind of balance or temper the fear or the uh, worry that we're getting from our ego. And we do that with things. There are so many tools to do this, but I'll share some of them. One, of course, is meditation. I know I talk about this a lot on the podcast. If you do not already have a meditation practice, which can be, you know, sitting meditation you can use guided meditations you can do a walking meditation if you don't have some sort of regular practice of getting still and noticing your thoughts and noticing what you do as a result of those thoughts I just (laughs) really strongly encourage you to start one it can be five minutes a day I mean it can be really small it can be big it just needs to be um regular and consistent because it's like a muscle that you're trying to build Um, without some sort of regular checking in with yourself the work to create a, a career that you're really going to love and that's going to be an expression of you is going to be tough so meditation first and foremost you can always recommit to a meditation if you've had one and it's gotten you know sidetracked you can always come back to it of course, journaling is a good way to get our thinking minds to quiet down a little bit and let some deeper awareness come through. I use tarot decks or oracle cards in my daily practice. Those are often helpful to get a different perspective. Um, yoga is a way that we can make more room for that higher consciousness. Uh, yoga Nidra is a, um, is a yoga practice that's, uh, I think, really interesting, and one I use regularly. You can just look up, on YouTube, you can look up yoga nidra. It's essentially like a deep relaxation meditation practice. Um, time spent in nature is a way that we can reconnect to our higher consciousness, sound therapy, Reiki. I mean, there's so many tools and you get to decide which ones are most useful to you, but by creating that space for your soul, for this other part of you that is, you know, whole and at peace and is interested in helping you grow in your career, by creating more space for that, you'll not only feel good, which is naturally attractive to other people, but you'll also gain the clarity that you're looking for. You'll know what you need to do next. Again, not from a place of fear or scarcity, but from a place of peace and clarity. And your actions from that place will be so much more fruitful than actions from a place of fear and worry. So once you've started doing that, creating more space for your soul, whether it's, you know, five minutes a day, and you're just starting out or amplifying the space, you know, if you need to, if you're further along in your practice, but know that you could use more of that spaciousness. Once you've done that, I encourage you to integrate what I'm about to share next, which is about finding fun. (laughs) And fun doesn't have to be like, what I think our culture says it needs to be like, you know, going out and getting hammered at the bars every Friday or Saturday night. It doesn't have to be loud or boisterous or bubbly or like, you know, a cheerleader. It can be. You have to find your own version of fun. Fun for me probably looks really boring and lame to other people. I feel, I feel very Ron Swanson-like in my fun. And if you watch Parks and Rec, you'll know what I mean. What I'm talking about here is just finding what is enjoyable to you in your work. We're often the most attractive when we're enjoying what we're doing, when we're finding the silver lining in something, when we are working in our zone of genius, or when we're just taking pleasure in something seemingly mundane. I would ask you, are you enjoying your career for the most part? And I would ask you to just sort of let that question wash over you. Are you having fun at work? If not, how could you shift the focus so that you're focusing on and nurturing what is enjoyable so that you can let what is fun, even if it's very minor or small in your work life right now, how could you let it grow and get even bigger how could you make the tasks that you don't like doing a little more fun? You know, could you listen to some music that you like while you do them or get something funny to add to your workspace? Or could you censor yourself a little bit less? You know, self-expression is often an immediate gateway to having fun and, and having more energy. When you are enjoying what you're doing, you will be naturally set up to attract more of that to you. I know this is often counterintuitive to a lot of what we learn in career development, which is has this texture of like, you know, working hard and finding out what skills are most appealing to employers, and then going out and getting those, and you know, hustling, and you know, getting out and trying to meet the most important people that we can meet and get connected to. But really, where it starts is is just with knowing yourself and having fun. Because what feels fun is often a sign that you're working with one of your strengths. So we want to stay there and build upon that. If you are not enjoying your career, if it's feeling really shitty and hard, um, I encourage you to look at your perspective about it and look at whether or not you're giving yourself permission to have fun with it. Um, Because it's really not worth doing if you're not able to enjoy any of it and that doesn't mean that your external circumstance needs to change i'm not saying that it's dependent on, upon you getting a different job or being in a different organization it really starts with our attitude you know how can we give ourselves permission to have fun with this thing that you know has felt not fun for a long time how can we open things up so that we can enjoy our work days and not not be fighting or be grumpy the entire time. There are always opportunities to shift the perspective and to enjoy what we're doing, even if the external circumstances don't change at all. So make space for your higher consciousness, your soul, your heart, your intuition, whatever you want to call it, make more space for that. Find what is fun and build upon it. And then three, get clear about what you'd like to attract in your work life. Once you are centered centered in yourself, enjoying your life and your work, even if the outside circumstances haven't changed, once you're doing those things, you will be able to understand what kinds of opportunities, people, experiences, et cetera, that you'd like to attract to you. And I encourage you to name them. You know, if it's a type of job, if it's a certain way that you want to feel when you go to work, if it's a kind of client that you want to work with, name that. And then consider what the employer or the client, which is the pollinator in this metaphor, consider what the pollinator is most attracted to. And if it's something that aligns with your soul, your higher consciousness, and something you enjoy, something that you yourself are attracted to, perfect. It's a match, you know, go for it. And just remember that there is a pollinator for every flower. You know, the flowers that you see around you wouldn't be in existence if there weren't pollinators that were helping them grow and be fertilized and propagate. And just like these flowers and pollinators, there are paid work opportunities for each of us, opportunities that enliven us and are a good match for our particular set of strengths. Um, So again, I'm not talking about shaping yourself or pushing yourself to fit into a mold that's appealing to a certain kind of employer. I'm talking about getting clear about what it is that your soul wants to do through your life, through your career, finding what feels fun, which is often the same thing as tapping into your strengths and then looking for where that it could be a match, where that could be of service in your you know industry or your town or your organization. And again, just finding where there's resonance and naming the opportunities, the employers, the kinds of clients, et cetera, that you want to resonate with, that you want to bring into your career. And then once you're clear about that, the fourth thing I'll say is that you can bring them to you by sharing your aesthetic appeal, your particular personality, strengths, interests, your joy. You can share those things with the kinds of pollinators that resonate with you. And you can do that very literally by, you know, publishing content or networking or sharing an offering with your community or just otherwise getting yourself out into the world. You know, oftentimes people are networking or, you know, trying to attract pollinators before they've done that inner alignment piece. And that's what makes it feel really hard. Because when we do that, we're either A, not enjoying ourselves because we're not tapping into the things that just feel fun or our perspective is um, that nothing is going to work out or we have a really shitty attitude about it, so of course it's not going to be fun. Or B, we're not sure about the kinds of pollinators that we really resonate with that we want to attract. So that doesn't mean that you shouldn't go out and experiment and just, you know, be playful with it. And you may not know what kinds of things you want to attract into your career right now, but never skip over the steps of, you know, appreciating the work that you do, making more space for your soul, shifting your focus to the things that you enjoy doing. Um, By focusing on those things first, you will be well positioned to attract what it is you want more of in your career, whether it's. Um, you know, greater financial stability, a new opportunity that, you know, includes more responsibility or more visibility in your organization, you know, whether it's a speaking opportunity or a collaboration that you're really hungry for, those things will much more easily come into your life when there's room for them. And what creates room is being connected to your deeper self, the true you that exists beyond your job title, beyond your you know, resume, and then having fun, being a little bit um, lighter or more sort of um, airy or spacious in what you do and in the way that you go about your life. Um, these are the things that are going to help you be attractive in your career, in, in your professional life. And as we approach summer, as we get closer to June 21st, closer to the summer solstice, Um, I'm noticing that there are a lot of flowers here that have already been fertilized and that are now turning into fruit, you know, here in the Pacific Northwest, the strawberries and the blueberries are ripening on their vines. Um, and earlier this season, they trusted that they would get what they needed and that enabled them to blossom, to attract the help that they needed and become the fruit that they are meant to be. And I would say that between now and June 21st and beyond the summer solstice even, I encourage you to do the same, to really steep yourself in what it is that you find most attractive about yourself and your unique set of strengths. Really consider how your career would flourish if you had more fun. (laughs) If you um, were really steeped in what it is that you find attractive about yourself And what it would be like if the right kinds of opportunities for you came into your career without pushing or without going out and sort of desperately trying to bring them to you. I encourage you to stay inside of that vision to really consider what it would be like to have more fun at work for the right opportunities, the right pollinators for you to come into your life with ease, with flow. And to get clear about that vision and check in with it at least once a day and stay there for as long as you can and really sort of let that grow inside of you. And that is what will help you become even more attractive in your work life than you already are, because you are, of course, already very attractive. Um, You have a unique essence, a set of skills, a set of strengths, a set of experiences that no one else has. And that is a perfect fit for pollinators in your network in your life in your um, in your industry in your organization etc so play with it have fun Um, I encourage you to to notice what changes if you think about how you can enjoy yourself more in your work life so that's what I had to share with you today my friends like I said before I'll be back with a special summer solstice episode until then just take such good care of yourselves. Let the drumbeat of summer enliven you and um, let the energy grow inside of you naturally as it wants to this time of year. Bye for now.